What's going on, guys? Welcome back to One Stop Shop. Let's get right into this episode. Alright, guys, let's start off this episode with a little recap of Game 7 between the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you are living under a rock at this point, you know that the Islanders didn't get the job done. They lost one nothing. Tampa Bay scored a goal in the second period. And the Islanders were unable to score anything in this game. And that's really not what you're looking for in a Game 7 situation. So the Islanders put up a great fight in this postseason. They exceeded a lot of people's expectations. They were able to supply Long Islanders and New Yorkers in general with a sense of enjoyment and excitement over the fact that this team was in a position where they could have made it to the Stanley Cup final this year and they were playing great hockey in the postseason, obviously knocking off the Penguins and then the Bruins. And we knew that Tampa Bay was going to be a tough task ahead for the Islanders before the series even began. But they put up a good fight, made it to Game 7, obviously on the road is tough in any situation that you're going to have to go into a an enemy territory at the end of the day. So Tampa Bay, obviously, the defending champions, they're going back to the Stanley Cup for the second consecutive year. And, yeah, was a great series. Too bad the Islanders going to get the job done, but there's always next year, and... Yeah, I guess Barry Trotz is going to have to go back to the drawing board and try to get the Islanders back under control. And they had great goaltending throughout this whole postseason. That was something that really kept them in it. Obviously, they had Sorokin, who was slated to be the starter at the beginning of the postseason. They didn't play so well in the uh, Pittsburgh series. So Varlamov was able to really step up, and he's obviously a veteran. So, the Islanders put up a good fight. I guess we'll have to see how they come back next year. But, obviously, I hope my Rangers are in the playoffs next year because that was kind of upsetting that we got pretty close this year and we missed out by a few points to make the playoffs. But, hopefully, with Gerard Gallant, the new head coach, and all the young talent that we have, the Rangers hopefully will be back in the playoffs next year. But anyway, to switch up the topic a little bit. A little NBA playoff update. So on Friday night, the Bucks dismantled the Atlanta Hawks in Milwaukee. They tied the series up at one. Heading, heading to Atlanta now for game three today at 8.30 tonight on TNT. This is obviously a great series. Atlanta's looking to use their home floor to ignite them. They didn't really get too much going in the last game. Milwaukee won 125-91. to they completely outscored them in the first half. 
And, yeah, they were up by nearly 40 points in this game. So Milwaukee is here, and they're not messing around. Trey Young has to start making some shots. He's been in a little bit of a shooting slump in the series and the last couple games of the last series also against the Sixers. He wasn't really shooting too well. And, yeah, the Hawks definitely need the three ball to bring them to the next round and make it to the finals. But the Bucks are definitely a tough team. Chris Middleton and Giannis have been two of the most dynamic players in the Eastern Conference this year, especially on the Bucks, obviously. But, like, they've been keeping them in games on a nightly basis. Chris Middleton's a great scorer. He can do it all rebounds, pass the ball well, and Giannis obviously is the leader of the team, one of the biggest threats in the league. And when he's making shots, they're a better team, and obviously he hasn't been shooting the ball well from three, and he's not really a prototypical three-point shooter anyway, but, you know, he's capable of doing a lot. He's like a five-total player in baseball, you know. But in basketball, he's able to pretty much do everything. And last night, the Suns and the Clippers were in a pretty close game. The Suns jumped out to a nine-point lead after the first quarter. And they had a little lead going into the half. But it ended up being a pretty close game. L.A. would fight back in the third quarter, outscoring the Suns by 11 in the third, and then virtually making it like a two-point game throughout the fourth quarter. Either team was really making shots last night. They were both really shooting horribly from the field, 36% from the field for the Suns and 32.5% shooting for the Clippers. They couldn't really hit a shot last night. The three-point percentage was 20% for the Suns and then 16% for the Clippers, so they weren't making it too much. Last night, Devin Booker, 25 points, two rebounds in 38 minutes. Chris Paul, 18 points, seven assists, four rebounds. DeAndre Ayton, 19 points, eight for 14 from the field. 22 rebounds. Holy crap. He's a beast, man. For the Clippers, obviously still without Kawhi Leonard. Paul George last night, 23 points. Still not shooting well from three-point range. Only one for nine last night. He had 16 rebounds, six assists, one steal. Reggie Jackson, 20 points. Five rebounds, one assist, one steal. Terrence Mann off the bench, 12 points, four rebounds. He's been contributing for the Clippers ever since Kawhi went down with this injury. But he's been a pretty good player this season for the Clippers. Obviously, he has a lot of potential. He's a young player, so... Yeah, so 
I'm going to say this one more time. Suns in five. They're up 3-1 heading back to Phoenix now. And I don't think that the Clippers have a prayer to get back into the series. They would need Kawhi to come back from an injury. And that's not going to happen. So next game of this series tomorrow night, 9 o'clock on ESPN. Suns up 3-1, looking to close it out in front of their home crowd and head to the NBA Finals for the first time in a really long time. The last time the Suns were in the finals was 1993. Sorry, I was looking that up. (laughs) Sorry for the pause, but you know. And it says right here that the last time they even came close to winning a championship was in 1976. So it would definitely mean a lot to the people in Arizona. Obviously, Arizona sports are re-emerging right now with the Cardinals getting all the top talent, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, Kyler Murray. But the Suns definitely have surprised a lot of people. Obviously, they were a complete underdog heading into this season. They obviously played well in the bubble format when uh, the season got canceled. Sorry. And it got restarted last year during the COVID lockdown and stuff. Like, they nearly made the playoffs, and, like, they were winning pretty much every game up until then. So they definitely had a chip on their shoulder heading into this season, obviously. And then they became one of the top teams in the Western Conference, along with the Utah Jazz, two young teams that are emerging as future title contenders. The Jazz definitely have more work to do, but the Suns are able to go and chase the title this season, especially when LeBron was not prevalent in the playoffs, obviously losing in the playing tournament. So I'm sorry. LeBron didn't lose in the playing tournament. He lost in the first round. But, like, that's been (laughs) so long since that happened already. I kind of forgot. But, anyway. The NBA playoffs have been great. And to see new teams emerge as favorites in the Western Conference, that's something. And to see... The Nets go down in the Eastern Conference, and obviously they were the favorite in the East because of who they have on their team, just injuries and other situations. They just didn't align for them this season. And Kevin Durant couldn't do everything that he needed to by himself. Like He needed solid players around him to do their jobs and For the most part, he was doing everything that he could to get them to the next round himself. But hopefully next year, the Nets are going to be 
better. They obviously need Kyrie and James Harden healthy and locked in. And, yeah, that was just a quick thought about the Nets. But, you know, obviously, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Knicks progress. Maybe if they get some free agents or positive draft picks that can contribute on a nightly basis like how we got last year with Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin. We need some fresh blood, it seems like. So we need some clutch scorers and we need Julius Randle to figure out whatever he was going through in the first round series because we can't just get our whole entire fan base excited for nothing again. Like, we just can't do that to the New Yorkers that have been through so much as Knicks fans over the years, and they just want to see a positive winning team, and we were so much better this year than we have been in years prior, and hopefully next year we can just make it past the first round and not underestimate our opponents and... Stop the hesitating when it comes to shooting the basketball because the Knicks definitely struggled against the Hawks because they did not just, like, take the shot off the dribble. They would take too many dribbles, and then the shot wouldn't be there anymore. They would be contested and then wouldn't put up good looks. So that's another quick thought. (laughs) Enough of basketball, though. So, yesterday was a pretty solid UFC card, nothing too crazy, but the main event was pretty good. Cyril Gunn defeated Alexander Volkov via unanimous decision. He put on a master class of different kind of striking. He's obviously a pretty good Muay Thai guy, so he used a lot of knees and close kicks to his advantage he also has pretty good boxing and was capable of grappling when needed also and Alexander Volkov obviously he's a very experienced competitor 33 and 9 on his career they were both throwing a lot of shots and Gan got the advantage and was able to take control of this fight. And there were a couple cases where Volkov got poked in the eye, so you got to think that might have stopped him a little bit. But that was a good main event. Co-main event was also pretty good. A little controversial, according to Daniel Cormier, because Tanner Bozer, he appeared to use the cage to get up, and you can't grab the cage in MMA. That's a pretty big foul. You could get penalized for that if it's repeated in a fight. So Tanner Bozer, who just fought three weeks ago, he lost. He beat Ovin St. Pru, who is a highly respected 
fighter. He's been a light heavyweight, and now he's fighting at heavyweight, and he looked pretty good. But Tanner Bozer kind of just dominated him, and he caught him with a few shots, and basically he was able to finish him, knock him out. Tanner Bozer gets back in the win column. Good for him. He needed that. Then there was a crazy fight between Timur Valiev and Rayoni Barcelos. Valiev won via majority decision. Then there was a no contest between Andre Feely and Daniel Pineda because of an eye poke, and Pineda couldn't finish the fight. Never want to see that because guys get. Less money when there's a no contest, obviously. Then there was a good fight between Tim Means and Nicholas Dalby. Means won by any means necessary. <laughs> Sorry. Then there was a pretty good fight between Jai Herbert and Renato Moicano. Moicano won via... Rear naked choke in the second round. He was dominating that fight early on. And he was able to get the submission over a primary striker in Herbert. He trains with Leon Edwards. So, like, he's basically, like, kickboxer. And Moicano, obviously, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. He was able to use his skills to his advantage, and submit Herbert. Then the feature prelim was Kennedy and Chuku. He faced Danilo Marquez. He knocked him out in the third round, 20 seconds in. He's a future title contender in the light heavyweight division for sure. He's definitely up and coming. This is only his 10th fight in his career. So, he's a fun fighter to watch. Then, Jeremiah Wells delivered Warley Alves. A very impressive knockout. 30 seconds into the second round. Then there was another knockout, but in a different kind of way. It was a knockout via a body shot through a pretty big kick from Marcin Percinho over Ike Villanueva. So that's always an interesting finish to a fight when there's a heavy kick delivered to the liver, which can ultimately just shut down the body. We've seen that so many times. Um, Julia Avila picked up a win over Julia Stoliaranko. That was a great fight. Finished the rear naked choke. There were a lot of rear naked chokes on this card. A lot of submissions. Charles Rosa, he beat Justin James via split decision. Pretty good fight. Charles Rosa is very, very good fighter. In the featherweight division, he could definitely be the title challenger pretty soon. 
And then the card opened up with Yancey Medeiros losing to Demir Hadzovic via unanimous decision. Medeiros didn't really get too much going in this fight. It was kind of a poor performance. He did go the distance, but he wasn't really threatening this guy. So that's that. Last night, Gervonta Davis, he became a three-division weight champion when he beat Mario Barrios. And he was landing a lot of powerful body shots that ultimately stopped the fight in the 11th round. And... Gervonta Davis is obviously going to be one of the top fighters for years to come. Obviously, he's run by the money team and Floyd Mayweather and Leonard Ellerby, who runs the whole promotion for the money team and stuff like that. And they know how to breed champions. Obviously, Floyd Mayweather is a genius when it comes to boxing. He's faced opponents that he was better than his whole entire career. Gervonta Davis was going up in weight and becoming a three-division champ at 26 years old. Like, this kid can honestly be one of the biggest underdogs of all time that became one of the best fighters in the history of the sport at 26 years old. He's five foot five, and he was facing a guy that was five inches taller than him and had a way bigger reach. So... Gervonta Davis, very impressive win last night. Another impressive victory last night from Vasily Lomachenko, who made his return after a pretty decent layoff after he lost Tifima Lopez for the undisputed lightweight title. He faced Masayoshi Nakatani in Las Vegas. He TKO'd him, and he wants Tiafima Lopez again. And Tiafima Lopez's dad, who's also his head coach and trainer, he was in the crowd, and he's saying that he's happy that he won because we want him again. And he just keep saying the same stuff. Obviously, I'm a huge Tiafima Lopez fan. I would love to see him beat Lomachenko again. Tiafima Lopez is the pride of New York. Like, for that fight to happen again. I hope it could happen in Madison Square Garden. I would love to be there. And that's pretty much that for fights. But, yeah, it's been a very entertaining weekend of sports. And looking forward to whatever else is next. Obviously, we got the Conor McGregor fight coming up July 10th. 
And that's pretty much it. This has been episode one stop shop. Peace out, guys.